Gary's Place to Talk. Hip, hip, hooray, let's give a cheer. It's 9 a.m., the signal's clear. Our favorite host is in the chair. The Truman Show is on the air. It's The Truman Show with Truman Jones. A look at the politics, news, sports, and people that are shaping Rutherford County. The Truman Show is on the air. The Truman Show is on the air. Now from Adams Place on Memorial Boulevard, it's The Truman Show on News Radio WGNS. Here's Truman Jones. Good morning, Rutherford County. Um, we have got uh, a different person in here today with us. Ronnie, Ronnie Martin, of course, city councilman, uh, vice president of Pinnacle Bank, and the one that everybody looks to when there's special problems going on. He's going to be the one that's going to solve it. It's, it's like um, uh, the Thin Man. You, you, have you ever followed the Thin Man? No, sir, I don't know what that is. Where he can solve all the crimes that have been committed. In, uh, I would love to be that person. I, I, I kind of feel like you're you're almost like that person. I, I appreciate that. When, whenever something comes up that people feel uncomfortable with in city government, um, you're the one to accept the challenge, and you've done really, really well. I appreciate all the work that you've done and the research and all the things that going on. Well, i got to give a lot of credit to the city staff because I only know what they have taught me and helped teach me from a standpoint of integrating me into government. So uh, they deserve a lot of that credit. Now, Trey Gooch came... Uh, Trey Gooch. Why in the world <laughs> did I say that? I've been called... Trey, okay. Trey <laughs> yeah. came in first. Uh, I do know Well, Trey. we do have a Trey Gooch. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 He's I a do. county I commissioner. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know that many Trays. Okay. So I presume that's stepped down from the dad who has the same name. That would be correct. Is that, okay. that would be correct. Uh, and you were just uh, appointed the new city school superintendent. That's correct. And uh, I know you're happy yes. to be in that particular position because it's such an easy job. There's That's very right. very little <laughs> effort put into it. So no, there's, yeah, it's, it's yeah, pretty much I would have loved itself. to have that yeah, job. Absolutely, yeah, absolutely right. <laughs> Everybody was beating down the door for it. Yeah. Uh, why did you put in for it? You know it is, and it's a big job. Yeah. And, uh, but it's something I've I feel like I have the skills to do. I have the background to do. I've had a very broad range of experiences in education. And here's the main thing. I love kids. I love students. I love teachers. I love the work that happens in classrooms every day. Mm -hmm. Um, I see the hard work our principals do. I know the central office staff from my time when I opened up Salem. I see the hard work they pour into making you know, our city school system, just the best of the best. Mm -hmm. And so just to be able to play a small part in helping to uh, make Murfreesboro city even better and making our school system better uh, was just a a great opportunity. And I definitely wanted to say, I know I have the background for it. I have the experience for it. Um, It's going to be a big job, but I think with the team we have at the central office and with the caliber of principals and teachers we have in Murfreesboro city, we're going to work together and uh, continue to make our school system the great place it is. Have you had a chance to meet with all the principals yet? So, you know, because I am a principal now, um, I've met with them, of course, over the last two years that I've been working at Salem. So since I've taken this role, no. So I don't actually step into the role until a couple a couple weeks away once the board approves the contract in February. Mm-hmm. And that will have a start date. And so right now I'm kind of in this transition period. I'm still yeah. trying to stay fully focused to Salem, to my kids, at, the students at Salem, to the teachers at Salem, um, making sure that they're taken care of and that during this time, they still get the focus that they deserve. And with that, I'm doing some more priority issues with Mr. Ringstaff, who's the interim director, kind of stepping my foot a little bit into there. Um, But as soon as that transition becomes complete, that will be one of the first things I do, is in this new role, sitting down talking to our principals. We have a great group of principals. And I I mean, one of the great things about the past two years has been the opportunity to collaborate with them, to meet with them, because it really is a team. And, And there have been several times that we've gotten together, let's troubleshoot this, let's, let's put our heads together, right, and let's get the wisdom of the room together and figure out the best way to, to tackle this. Now, every school is different, and uh, each principal is different, of course. They have their own ways of dealing with uh, 
issues that that will come up in a daily way with the the school system and uh, how much will you focus on the way that you would like to see the schools uh, continue on or some of the changes you would be made because principals are pretty strong-willed from all the one uh, i remember i had to deal with all of them when i was working years ago and uh, there were some interesting uh, questions (laughs) that they would come up with yeah well i think no one one thing i know about a principal is they are fully committed to that school yeah Um, they live it they breathe it they know those teachers they know their families they know the kids and in murfreesboro city specifically we, we have a really diverse school system we have suburban schools. We have more urban setting schools. Uh, we have, you know, really wide range. And so what I know is principals are fully committed to their schools and that no one knows that school better than that principal. Yeah. And so I think it would not be advantageous for me to come in and say, hey, we're going to run this like I ran Salem because Salem is not the same as Overall Creek and yeah. Salem is not the same as Bradley at Hobgood. So it's about coming together and seeing how can I come in and support you in this work so you can do what you know is best for these kids and for these teachers to move them forward. You, you know, the curriculum is, is not set right here. It's set uh, from the state and, and uh, in some ways the federal government. And a lot of it, it, it I consider it being pushed on the system uh, in a way that probably a lot of educators do not feel comfortable with what you have to teach in the classroom. And how how hard is that adjustment when you have to deal with particular things like that? Because in, in a lot of, like we were talking about before we went on, each state is different, and, and they look at everything different. And and because we're, we don't live in a huge city where uh, you're, you're in constant uh, turmoil, you might say, uh, down here... I think that the teachers here have a better situation as far as dealing with the parents and dealing with uh, uh, each child here. It, it's it's not in in some ways it's overwhelming, but not as overwhelming as some of the other areas where you're having to reach out. We have successful schools right here in Rutherford sure. County. Uh, a lot of successful schools, right but here. but you go to uh, uh, Memphis, you go to Nashville. They haven't been even close to successful as uh, the schools right here. Well, and I think we it's all really about input. And, yeah. and we, there are those decisions we make at the local level. So you're correct. And the yeah. state's going to say, here are the standards we have to teach. Here's yeah. what a third grader needs to know in math. They need to know this about fractions. They need to know this about decimals and this about multiplication. So the state does set those standards. And one thing I know is the state over the past few commissioners have worked really hard with the state board that every time they revise those standards, there's always a really heavy teacher voice. So the state has always made sure that teachers are there. They have input on the standards. They are saying, as we move them around, like, is this appropriate for a third grader or do we need to move this to fourth grade? So teachers do have a voice in that. Um, we've had, But I've had teachers tell me that they don't have a well, voice. And again, not every teacher in the state does, right? Yeah. So, But there is that opportunity. They always open it up for teachers to come to apply and to have that information. So there is teacher voice. And then you have at the local decision making policy as far as what textbooks are we using. So what are the materials we're going to use? And that is a local decision. And, you know, we put together teams, and and that includes parents. We have a parent representative on that team. We have teachers that make that decision. So, you know, there are some things from the state level. They say this is what, as a state, we're going to expect students to know and be able to do by the end of the grade level. But there still is that local input as far as, okay, so what are the materials we're going to use to teach that? And making sure our teachers have that voice. So, again, one thing that's important to me it is about input. You have to listen to the people on the ground who are actually doing the work. And I've said it a lot, and I'll keep saying it. The heart of the work we do is in that classroom every day. And we always have to make sure we're working toward the person who's doing the instruction, who's doing the work, having a voice in this is what's going well, and here may be some opportunities for improvement. So, for, for, from what I'm hearing from you, is different than what I'm hearing, say, at the uh, middle and high school level. Um, there, there's a, a lot of uh, subject matter that many of the parents are not happy with whatsoever. 
and 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 even some of the the teachers in the classroom are not happy with so evidently there is a uh, level once you uh, go to uh, a middle school that things start changing some well and and, and, and i think that so you could what what it. what do you mostly focus on in, in say in 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 the k through Six. Yeah. Great. So let me say first, there yeah. is no perfect curriculum. Yeah. Like you're not going to find a curriculum or some materials that, that's perfect. Mm-hmm. Uh, but you look at these are the goals, these are the objectives we're trying to do, and this helps us get there. And mm-hmm. then there may be times where we're supplementing that, we're pulling additional things in um, that to make sure we're hitting what our students need. Mm-hmm. You know, at the K-6 level, um, it's really about that broad exposure to a lot of things. In K-3, we want to work really hard to make sure that those students have those early foundational skills so they can read. Mm -hmm. We know that in in kindergarten through second grade specifically, the focus there is we have to make sure students have a strong foundation in reading so that when they get to middle school... That's number one importance. Well, I think right now it has to be, right? Um, They have to be able to to look at a math textbook, a science textbook, and make meaning out of that. And so in K-2, you'll see, especially... uh, when I am officially there, the city has had it. We'll continue to have a really strong focus on early literacy so that, you know, we, when they get to high middle school, to high school, they're going to be coming across really complex texts, really hard to read, you know, documents, and they need to have that ability where they're not working through that and trying to do that. So that's, our, that's a huge goal for us. And it's the same thing in math, right? We're, we're building a really strong foundation. Do they have a really good understanding of place value, of fractions, of how number works, of number sense, so that when they get to Algebra 1, right, the, yeah. the foundation of Algebra 1 is really third grade, mm-hmm. so that when they get to Algebra 1, which is a state-required course, they can be successful in that. So, you know, we're really focusing on that, really focusing on a lot of broad exposure as we go through our science standards, making sure they have a good foundation of of science. And we talked a little beforehand about our STEM process, exposing kids to the careers that are out there, the possibilities that are out there, so that when they get to the position in high school and they start picking tracks and they start picking um, what they're wanting to do post-secondary, they know what's out there. They're prepared to do it. They have the skills to do it. They have the reading skills to do it. They have the math skills to do it. They have the knowledge of what's possible, right? And then we're empowering them to make their own decision. I think education really comes down to that. Are we empowering kids so that when they get to high school, it's not about this is what I have to do. It's this is what I want to do, and I'm prepared to do it, whatever that may be. If it's to go into a trade school, if it's to go to a four-year university, if it's to go straight to the workforce, um, we want students to be able to make that decision for them, for themselves and not the, a decision they have to make. And so that really starts in elementary with us giving them that broad range of experiences and building a really solid foundation. So so do you, do you have... Uh maybe a picture of what each particular student's aptitude is by the time they get to middle school and what their particular gifts and interests are. So we're, we monitor our students, you know, multiple times a year. Mm-hmm. And we do that really to make sure that we know where they are, where their strengths are, and where their areas of improvement are. And we, we really, for program planning, I want to be able to look at a classroom and say, here, this class is really strong in this area, so we're going to continue to build on that. But here's an area where there may be some areas to grow, so let's put some extra time and resources in that classroom to, to really focus on that, to build those students up. And we're lucky. We have great support staff in our building, um, in all of our buildings, that can really help pull kids, give them the extra resources they need. Murfreesboro City has, for a long time, uh, had a wonderful gifted program for our students who are high-achieving students, that they're getting the extra supports they need, where we have our gifted specialists who are pulling those students out, working with them on more abstract things, and really pushing them and challenging them. And then we have a great intervention support system for students who, you know, maybe they have some holes, and we need to fill those holes are. So we have to identify those and find them. And again, just try and make sure everyone has the, that knowledge they need to take that next step, whatever it is. 
Trey, <clears throat> I've noticed you haven't uh, kicked in. Well, right? you wouldn't let me get a word but in. Of course, you were Mr. Einstein when you were going. No, through school, from I was what not. I can understand. No, sir, I was not. Um, I, you know, I had something. So I, I participated in um, as a as a viewer, as a spectator, mm-hmm. um, for the whole interview process when when the board was interviewing candidates. Yeah. And so that was very educational for me and. Um, it was great to get to meet, uh, at least through the interview process, the candidates and to see what each of them brought to the table and that sort of thing. But, um, you know, I thought, give some props to the city school board, I thought they did a really great job um, asking really good questions for the candidates. Um, and, you know, I felt very good about that process overall, and I felt like we had a great pool of candidates. Um, two things that came out of um, those things that – or those questions that I thought were really important and that I don't know that a lot of people spend time thinking about, uh, STEM, which we talked about a little bit, the impact that has on the education process and, and what that means to the person that does not have a child going through that because that's relatively sure. new – uh, in the city school system, and then this whole this concept of the whole child and what that means, because yeah. you know I, there are some aspects of those things I shared with you um, that affected me personally, mm-hmm. both from a whole child standpoint and from the STEM program, that I think made differences in my life in my education. And so, talk a little bit about that and what that means. Yeah, so I think that the STEM program, and again, we're looking at we have four of our schools as STEM certified schools from the state, which really means they've gone the extra mile and they've really. Embraced Embrace this whole idea of, again, for your listeners, STEM mm-hmm. being science, technology, engineering, and math, mm-hmm. and really giving kids these hands-on experiences to not just learn about content, but actually get in there and, and, and build it, and let's make it better. And it's mm-hmm. not just about going and doing something and, hey, we're going to build a hydroponic tower that helps water plants. We're going to design it. We're going to see where it doesn't work, and we're going to go back and fix it. And that's really what we teach all the time is that engineering process of we look at a problem, we try and address the problem, we test the problem, and if it doesn't work, we go back. Um, And so so many many of our schools are doing great things with that. Of course, overall was our first STEM-designated school. And they've really become a spotlight for the state of what can be done at elementary. A lot of times these programs really are heavy in um, 612 middle schools and high schools, Mm -hmm. and, and maybe not as much in elementary one of the great things about Murfreesboro City and the fact that we do have a focus on our K-6 students is we can introduce that so much easier. So when they get to the middle school and they get to the high school level, this is not something new. That's something they've been doing since kindergarten. Uh, so, you know, one of I uh, was in Christmas, uh, our kindergartners uh, were de- designing gingerbread houses, right? And it wasn't about doing the gingerbread house. It was a, how do we make this stand up? Yeah. How do we design it? How do we keep it? And teaching them those fundamentals of that so that they can realize, man, I like building things. I like creating things. I like the reward of seeing this hard work come through. And then through that, we're incorporating reading. We're incorporating math. And that's something we want to continue to build on in the city uh, because, again, to be just a K-6 district and to have such a, a sure footing in that area is something we need to grow in for sure. When you're talking about the whole child, that plays a big part of it, right? That we're here as a system not just to make sure our kids come in, we teach them to read and do math, and we send them out. Uh, We're really about making sure that the next generation of Murfreesboro citizens uh, take this community to the next level. And so that means we make sure that they have this exposure to STEM. They have the exposure and the opportunities to learn new things, but that we're also taking care of them emotionally. That if a kid's had, you know, a traumatic event happen, if a kid's come from an environment that may not be the environment that we would be ideal for that child, that we have this wraparound support where they have school counselors that we can work with, where we can send social workers out to the home to help those parents, right? If it's an attendance issue, let's send a social worker out. What do you need? How can we help make sure your child's in school? Um, making sure it's whether it's our backpack or our feeding program for students that we are really not just focused on the academics of kids that is part of the whole child we want our kids to be able to do the academics but we also want to make sure they're in a place where they can learn because we know if they come to school stressed if they come to school and they're worried about something that happened the night before us trying to do multiplication with them isn't going to get there, right? we got to take care emotionally first and make sure they're in the place where they can be ready to learn.
I was stressed out having to go to school. <laughs> Most of us were back in the old days. We wanted to be outside working sure. or playing or, or whatever. School has changed so much. Now, it... it I mean, it has, and again, I think my own son through the through the COVID pandemic we've been through, and and yeah, you know, I remember in March when you think back to your passion, like oh man, two months getting out of school two months early, yeah. that sounds great. Um, but school has changed, and it's a community, and and the relationships these teachers build with their kids, and the friendships that are there. You know, it was two or three weeks into school, and my fourth grader was, I'm ready, I want to go back, I want to see my yeah. friends, I want that routine, um, and so. You know, I think if you're like me, you know, you love a great vacation every once in a while, taking a vacation. But there comes a point when you're ready back to get to the routine of your life. And this is, and having routine is good. And, and kids need that, too. And I'll, I'll tell you, too, from my personal experience when we were talking about the whole child, you know, it, it's it's sad to think about. But it's one of those things that we have to talk about. But not everybody's home, not everyone's home life is as stable as a structured school environment is. And so, you know, I I was the first in my family to graduate from high school, much less go to college. And so neither of my parents graduated from high school. Mm -hmm. And there was not great stability at our home. And so school provided an opportunity for me to have stability. And so, you know, I loved being at school. And, you know, I, I struggled in different ways. But... Um, school was a great place for me to be um, that was normal and you felt normal, you felt safe. And, you know, a lot of us, don't, we take that for granted because there are some kids that don't have that stability. So, Now, yeah, the STEM program, uh, from the way that you're explaining it to me, you are um, reaching a lot of the kids in different ways and they're almost preparing for uh, a magnet school with some of the things that you're explaining to me. Well, you know, and is I, that correct? Well, I think it's preparing them for just whatever the future holds. Yeah. So you think of, I mean, you look at at the high school level now with Rockville High and Oakland High and and all of our high schools, they all have those specialized programs, right? Yeah. Whether it's the Megatronics program at Oakland, that's not a magnet school, right? That's that's a yeah. that's just a great high school and they're offering great programs. And so I think you talk about how education's changed. I think that's one of the ways is we're seeing this movement through our CTE programs at the high school to really open it up so that you don't have to go to a school to get a certain um, exposure and, and a certain type of instruction. We're building that through all of our schools. And again, with our STEM program, we want our kids to know we know that STEM jobs are increasing. We know that the pay for STEM types of employment are higher. Yeah. And so we got to make sure that our kids have the opportunity to get that and then hopefully that we've built a base large enough that companies see that and they want to come to Murfreesboro because this is where the workers are. You want people, the, the young people, to be successful socially. Sure. And and the things that are going on with this pandemic, yeah. it's really affecting that very much. Uh, how, how are we going to attack that in the future? Uh, be more specific. How are we going to attack? The, uh, having the kids be back the, yeah. in the classroom in a normal type uh, uh, setting that they've been away from ever since, uh, I guess, yeah, March, March 13th, when it, right? when yeah. it really hit. I'm very familiar, yeah. yeah. I, I think March 13th was our last day at the school last year before we came back. Yeah. You know, and it's, it's a complicated issue, and it's it one is. where you have to, I'm not an epidemiologist, you're right. I'm not a scientist. I don't study. I don't think the scientists are, and <laughs> are either, to be but, perfectly but honest. Hey, well, at least with they you. have, I'll say they have more training than I do. So uh, I think, yeah. you know, again, it goes back to I know that a kid, parents, what they want for their kids. They want their kids to be socially well off. They want them to have the academic skills they need. They want them to have the mental supports where they feel like they're good decision makers. Mm-hmm. But you know what? Above all else, they want them to be safe. Yeah. And this is a. A, a discussion point that a lot of people have a lot of different views on, yeah. right? Some people feel very strongly about um, the virus than other people do. And so I go back to what is it parents want? They want their kids to be safe. And that's what I want. You know, I, I send my child to, we have, I have two sons. One goes to a middle school. One comes to school with me, Salem every day. Mm-hmm. When I put my middle schooler on the bus every morning, I want him to learn, but more than anything, I want him coming back home. And I want him to be safe. And so that has to be that first priority is our safety of our kids. And that involves with talking to 
our health department, talking to the experts and, and what we're learning. I know the CDC put out more guidance yesterday. This is an evolving issue. Yeah. More stuff is coming out. So it's making the best decision with the information we have at that time. Now, that being said, for me personally, and I said this in, the, in my interview about it too, to me, my intent is always going to be kids in classes. Yeah. I think kids need to be in school. I think they need to have that direct instruction for the teacher. So my kind of driving focus will be, or the, the, the approach which I take is, the goal is kids in school. Now, how we get that goal and when we get there is going to be determined on the information we have at the time. All right? um, you know, we now have new, new uh, I guess, variances on the virus, right? So they're talking about these different strands, mutations, mutations yeah. these yeah. different strands. So there's this new information. So we got to take the information we have. we got to listen to the people we trust, whether it's at the health department, um, whether it's the, what the scientists are telling us, and then we have to make the best decision as we can with the goal of kids in school as soon as possible. You know, another thing that, um, again, gets really easy for us to skip over, I think for a lot of us or for a lot of people, there are some people that if the schools are not open and in session, it means they can't go to work. Yeah. And if they're a, depending upon the job that they have and the wages that they earn and the stability that they have, that's a major ordeal for the family that has really significant consequences to that child's life. And so, you know, we we tend not to think about things like that um, if we're not in those positions. But, you know, it's a little bit like, you know, even if some people are afraid of the virus, whether they think it's real or not real or, you know, they're at risk or not risk, they may feel like they don't have a choice but to send their kids to school because they've got to feed them, they've got to pay the rent, and they've got to do those things, and they can't afford not to be at work because for all of the people, and and I am one that has been very fortunate, um, you know, that – you have an employer or a specific job function that allows you to work from home that you can do that, which which I do, you know, I, I've still kind of been beating on the door wanting to go to my office because that's my routine. Well, yeah. I have to take into consideration the impact that that might have on the people around me. And in, in fact, you, you know this, we talked about it, um, you know, again, unintentionally. Um, we had our son got COVID, and next thing you know, Cynthia and I had COVID, and everybody in the house got COVID. And the, you know, my whole floor of Pinnacle Bank shut down because I had been at the bank, you know, and and it was a risk to other people. Mm-hmm. And until you go through things like that, you don't understand, you know, the impact it can have on others. But again, to pivot back to this situation of, you know, should the schools be open? You know, do the kids need to be in school? You know, I'm, I am supportive of that as well, but I think sometimes people don't think or see the impact that it's having on everyone as a community, um, you know, especially those folks that may, may be struggling more than others. So, You, you know, uh, there have been so many errors sent down to us yeah. from uh, uh, Washington and other places, the supposedly the scientific es- experts, and much of it has been wrong yeah. that they have been throwing down to us. And uh, I, they they put a lot of people in categories like me. I'm, I'm in the, the category where I'm going to croak in, in, at any minute. And, 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 we'll hope not. Let's, well, I had the we'll, virus. Didn't bother me. Had no uh, 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 no symptoms that yeah. are, are put in there. But I was... I was uh, uh, graded as having the virus, mm-hmm. and, and then uh, a lot of others, and then some of my buddies have been really, really sick. But it, it, it's it's not a sci- uh, mathematic certainty yeah. on any of mm-hmm. it, which is really, I think, if that's what's bothering more people than anything else. And then I was wondering, with the kids not being able, they're having virtual classes or whatever. Quit laughing now. You know how I feel about this crap. I've just been around you long enough that I can hear that inflection in your voice. Yeah, and and I I have a feeling that sometime in the future, all of this that has gone on since since, uh, March, um, I don't know how people are going to look at this. 10, 15, 20 yeah. years from now, and how much it's going to affect the education mm-hmm. process uh, that they would normally be able to go through. And it, it, it's it's not just the uh, uh, particular subjects, but also 
uh, how they deal with things socially mm-hmm. and how it's going to uh, impact um, uh, maybe their inner strengths sure. as they get up. Great points. But, and I think you're, and I, and I don't disagree with any of that. I, I don't think we know what the long term ramifications no. are. No. And um, I think that's something we have to start prepping for, right? Mm-hmm. So we're already at our central office, you know, in the few meetings that I've been privy to um, since being named before officially going on, right, we're already working on a plan for how do we address what may have been this interrupted school year? How do we how do we fill in these holes? Because we know we're going to have a lot of kindergartners who are getting the foundation for reading, and they may have been quarantined two and three weeks at a time. Yeah. We have our first graders who, at the end of last March, went home and missed the last two months of in-person kindergarten. And, yeah, we did a great job providing resources to families, giving parents opportunities to help at home. But, again, we know that that's not the same as sitting in a classroom with a student. So I I specifically think a lot about our younger students, our kindergarten, our first graders, our first graders specifically whose kindergarten year was interrupted and now has had a very non-traditional first grade year. And so we're already working on, okay, here's what we know. So what are some things we can put in place? Is it how do we lengthen the school day for parents who want to maybe bring their kids for some after programming? Or what can we do this summer to help parents um, get kids caught up if that's what they need? But, um, again, I'll go back to you have to go back to what kind of your North Star is. For me, that North Star when it comes to this is we want to see kids in school. Mm-hmm. But then we make the best decision with the best information we have and and knowing that's what we want, but knowing circumstances can change. And, and and understanding what Mr. Martin said here, right, these are real implications for families when you shut down a school. Uh, my wife and I have two boys. Both of our boys, they're at two different schools. They've both been quarantined at different times. Those are real conversations. And I tell the parents at Salem when they call me about it, I say, my wife and I are having similar conversations, right? We're lucky enough that we maybe have a support system where a grandparent can come and help out sometimes. Uh, my wife also may be able to work from home a day or two. But these are real conversations parents are having, and we have to be sensitive to that, and we have to know how it's impacting the bigger community as a whole outside of just the school building. Do you have uh, enough funds to make it through this particular year? Because I know that... Um, uh, the sale of Murfreesboro Electric dropped a few uh, dollars. Uh, and are you going to be able to replace that amount of money? I know that, that working with, with uh, the city council is, is uh, one of your major goals, sure. is, is being able to keep up with the things that goes on between your two your, uh, groups. So I, I have not started the official, like I said, because I'm in transition, so I haven't been gone through the entire budget process. I know our team at the central office is working on that now, mm-hmm. but I will tell you a big part of that is going to be working with the city council. Um, there has to be a strong relationship there between the city council and the school board so we can make sure that we are providing the best education. And I go back to, I think we all have the same goal. Mm-hmm. Um, I want to have the best school system for the kids of this community so that Murfreesboro is a better city the city council has that same goal. And so, you know, it's us working together toward that. So, you want me to confirm that? I'll confirm that. Don't you just love being on the right I do. I love, I love you, Truth. <laughs> <laughs> but is there a uh, strong relationship? I'm pretty sure there is between the Murfreesboro school system and, and uh, uh, city government itself. Yeah, I mean, I I think that's one of those things where you know it, it's a little bit like you know there's there's a symbiotic relationship in the sense that we're stronger together and because we are so connected because there are so many things that uh, are interwoven with one another. But you know, I mean, my wife is a teacher for the Murfreesboro City School System, and um, you know, I I I think that many of us take lots of things for granted that we don't intentionally do we're just busy and you know it's human nature but you know i had a chance to see 
what you know how good my wife is at her job because she was doing it from home and so i got to be cameraman for some videos and i got to listen to some lessons that she was doing and what i found is i was very interested in what she was teaching based on the lessons that she was doing so it prompted conversations in our home about all kinds of things that i thought man what a great experience you know for a child to be able to have in a classroom and to think about you know not just cynthia but all these teachers are doing this for their kids and some of them are doing it in the classroom and some of them are doing it at home and some of them are doing it both but it's just you know education and, and you and i've talked a lot about this <clears throat> you know in my life it has been the difference maker for me um I- anything that uh, i have been able to accomplish you know has been basic reading and writing where you have an opportunity to communicate and you know you get a basic foundation in uh, that's why i like the stem stuff so much it's problem solving and so much of what i do at work is problem solving i mean i'm not uh you, you don't want me building spaceships or operating you know on your heart that's not that's not something you want me doing but you know i am a pretty good problem solver and so um education is so important and it starts very young and and i think you know um you, you and i've had a lot of these conversations about school system city system county system you know efficiencies and overlaps and all that sort of thing and i just think emphasis on education has to be a priority as much as a priority as safety you know for public safety and and fire and police as far as i'm concerned all three of those things are our top priorities and, and and as far as i'm concerned one of the number one things that you get out of, of the education process in schools is the ability to get along with others and understand them and that's one thing that's really worked strong for you we're going to take a quick break and we'll be right back with trey duke and uh, ronnie martin thanks From NHC's Adams Place, home of premier senior living on Memorial Boulevard, it's The Truman Show on News Radio WGNS, FM 100.5 and 101.9, AM 1450, and streaming at WGNSRadio.com. At Heritage South Community Credit Union, we help when others won't. It's what our members tell us we do every day. Whether it's a loan for a car you need to get to work or saving for the future, let us see if we can help. If you live, work, worship, or attend school in Rutherford, Bedford, or Marshall Counties, you can be a member of Heritage South. Visit our website, HeritageSouth.org, to learn more. Insured by NCUA, Equal Housing Lender. This is Ron Hall. When the unexpected happens, Fair Construction can help you, whether there's a vehicle in your business or your home that's not supposed to be there. It's in the news, a car through the front door. We can board it up where the place is secure and deal with your insurance company to get it back to its previous condition. When the unexpected happens, call Fair Construction Company. This is Ron Hall with Fair Construction. Call 615-893-6120. Do you need a rapid COVID test to find out if you have COVID-19? Low T Center in Franklin now has a drive through rapid COVID testing site on Wednesdays, all day, 8.30 to 5.30, every Wednesday through February 24th. No appointment necessary, and it's only $60, with the results back in less than 30 minutes. COVID testing now available for all adults, men and women, 18 and older. Low T Center in Franklin at 2235 East McEwen Drive. Learn more by calling 615-661-5698. Where is the best barbecue in town? In 1920, East Main, the best barbecue for miles around. Is in 1920, East Main. You can buy by the pound sandwich platter or plate. No matter what you choose, it will taste great. You can come with a friend by yourself or with a date. Just lick the pig barbecue. Barbecue pork, beef or chicken, Brunswick stew, great sides, lunch specials, down-home atmosphere, and they cater. Slick pig barbecue. It's the best. Small businesses in the historic downtown of Murfreesboro are the heartbeat of your neighborhood, the spine of your local economy, and the spirit of your town. This is Sarah Callender, and it takes a village to keep our downtown strong and vibrant. Make a choice in 2021 to eat at, shop in, visit, and do business with the locally owned small businesses in historic downtown Murfreesboro. Do business with your neighbors in 2021. Come downtown for unique shopping, unique gifts, and unique experiences. 
Adams Place is founded by Dr. Carl E. Adams, a physician and lifelong resident of Middle Tennessee. He and Jenny May had a dream of building a campus concept of life care facilities for older adults. Adams Place Residential Living Director Terry Deal. Discover that senior living is fun. Call us at Adams Place and arrange a tour today. Adams Place is at 1927 Memorial Boulevard. Now an update from the WGNSRadio.com News Center. I'm Ron Jordan. The 6th Annual Hometown Heroes Walk begins at the Murfreesboro Civic Plaza in front of City Hall on the Lineball Library Friday morning, April 6th. It starts with people parking their cars at the Child Advocacy Center office on Samsonite Boulevard and taking the free shuttle bus to the Murfreesboro Civic Plaza. Once there, registration begins at 1045, opening announcements are at 1130, and the walk from the Civic Plaza to the Child Advocacy Center begins at noon. More information available on our website, WGNSRadio.com. The organizational leaders of special kids have asked for the public's help in providing required equipment, including surgical masks, for patient care staff. Masks are approved by the CDC for one-time use only, which means they go through about 250 masks a week. They're requesting donations of surgical masks to decrease the financial burden of buying them at such a high volume. Donations will also allow them to reroute the funds to other expenses. If you can help, there's a link to the special kids on our website. The release of a woman arrested in Tennessee for her alleged role in the unrest at the U.S. Capitol is being blocked. The chief judge for the U.S. District Court in Washington ordered Lisa Eisenhart to remain in custody a day after a federal judge in Tennessee said she should be released conditionally. Eisenhart will also be taken to D.C. for further proceedings. Dollywood could be used as a mass COVID-19 vaccination site. Severe County officials say they're talking with state and Dollywood officials about that possibility. Last week, Tennessee Health Commissioner Dr. Lisa Piercy said sites like Dollywood, Opryland, and Nissan Stadium could hold mass vaccination clinics. However, she says right now, they just don't have the vaccine supply. Follow us on Twitter at WGNS Radio. I'm Ron Jordan reporting. News updates around the clock, when it breaks, and on demand at WGNSRadio.com. We are News Radio WGNS. COVID-19 numbers are going down in Tennessee compared to numbers in November and December of 2020. But sadly, that does not mean the pandemic is over. There is still a huge need for COVID testing. If you need a rapid COVID test, Low T Center in Franklin now has drive through rapid COVID testing on Wednesdays all day, 8.30 to 5.30, every Wednesday through February 24th in Franklin. No appointment necessary and it's only $60, and you'll get your results back in less than 30 minutes. COVID testing available for all adults, men and women 18 and older in Franklin at Low T Center. Again, rapid COVID testing with results back in less than 30 minutes. Every single Wednesday in Franklin from 8.30 until 5.30 through February 24th. Low T Center in Franklin is at 2235 East McEwen Drive. Learn more by calling 615-661-5698. Again, 615-661-5698. Listen live to WGNS Radio on our website, and Alexa, or Google devices. Search WGNS Radio for on-demand podcasts in iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, and Stitcher. Plus, we have direct links to podcasts at WGNSRadio.com. Good neighbor weather. We'll see a few scattered rain showers here for this afternoon with cloudy sky conditions high in the upper 40s. Winds out of the northwest around 5 to 10 miles per hour. I'm meteorologist Jennifer Wojcicki on News Radio WGNS. Currently, it's 38. Premier Six Theater is open. They're excited to see you again and will be showing some classic movies you'll be sure to enjoy. Check MurfreesboroMovies.com for showtimes for Premier Six Theater. They're now open. From NHC's Adams Place, home of Premier Senior Living on Memorial Boulevard. It's the Truman Show on News Radio WGNS. FM 100.5 and 101.9, AM 1450, and streaming at WGNSRadio.com. Thank you. Ronnie Martin's back on again, and uh, Trey Duke, uh, who is our new uh, city school superintendent. But have you ever noticed how the conversation changes once we push a button Imagine and, we're, and we're off the air. Imagine. But but it, it's it's hard for me to be 
I don't. It's hard for me to change. I'm a lot like that too. Yeah, I know you are. Uh, we've got a caller. Um, this is going to be interesting. Uh-oh. Caller, welcome aboard. Well, good morning, and yes, you need to make sure those conversations <laughs> off the air are not programmed. Uh, actually, well, I think that. I've been, I'm going to push a button and get you off the air, Butch. <laughs> well, that'd be okay too. I've been cut off before. <laughs> How are you, big boy? I'm doing very well. How are you? Good. I've I'm enjoyed listening to I've enjoyed listening to your two guests this morning, and we I'm just calling to say, as member of the board, we are glad to have Trey along with us. Helping to make this school system better than what it is today. You know that was an interesting vote you guys had, Butch, because it was uh, four and three, and none for the other. So it, it was two people just rose to the top. Well, that was the process, though. Remember, you and I talked about this when yeah. I was on your show. You know, we voted for two people out of the five, and then we took the top two and voted again. Mm-hmm. So that's how it was. We went from five to two, but that was that's okay. That was a good process, and uh, and we've got a good person uh, that's going to jump in with the board, and we're going to run a school system and make it better than what it was or what it is. Now, being an ex uh, uh, teacher, principal out at Walter Hill, um, do do you feel like that the superintendents here at this time? have to deal with more particular problems than they did back when you were there? Truman, I don't know that there are more problems. There are They are different problems. Uh, certainly mm-hmm. what's on everybody's mind is, is COVID and the pandemic and getting students back in school and that sort of thing and, and a lot of the stuff that goes along with that. Uh, of course, back then in... When I was at Walt Hill, we had we had problems too. A lot of it was, from our standpoint at Walt Hill, a lot of the, the problem was growth, and we still face that today in city school system. But not, mm-hmm. you know, it's. I don't think it's as big a problem right now, probably as as what uh, the tray and, and everybody's going to have to become involved in with the pandemic. Now, the the uh, since Trey's uh, listening to you now. He's the one that's going to have to make all the hard decisions, and then y'all sit back and just kind of judge him. That's pretty tough. Well, it is tough, but, you know, he's the one that put his name on the ballot for the the position. That's right, Mr. Campbell. Don't don't you let me forget that either. Uh, That's right. You know, uh, sometimes you've got to be careful what you wish for. That's right. And the board has huge, been. It, it is a huge job, uh, but Trey will do well. He can handle it. He's got good support from his central office, and I think he's got good support from the board. And uh, he can, he can, he can take the bull by the horns and handle it. There, there yeah, going to be some bumps in the road, but hey, we've all had those. The board's been over. The board has been fantastic, and and they have just been. And I would agree with Mr. Campbell. The process. Uh, was a, a strenuous process. It was a, a, you know, a challenging process. You had to be well prepared, um, and I give credit to the board for that because he said it's a big job, and they need to make sure that they are looking at everybody, that they're looking at all the candidates, and they're making that decision. Um, and so I, I really appreciate the very thorough job the board did with this decision, and they did excellent. And since then, um, they've all reached out to me. I've had great conversations with them, and so I'm looking forward to working with the board. Uh, it's going to be great. You know, you have to be congratulated to even get in the top five or ten in this because there were a lot of great candidates, from what I can understand, putting in for this particular job. It's definitely an honor, definitely an honor. But it kind of bothers me a little bit because it's like you're on a a a uh, 20-foot tower uh, somewhere and then you you jump off, and then there's 300 yards beneath you after you do that, and there's a big fire around it, and, and the guys are not able to get over there with you to catch you when you go in. Um, that's a tough decision because there are a lot of uh, problems in, in, in these particular areas that you're going to have to kind of weed through or wade through or whatever, and... Uh, 
I, I congratulate you on taking that task. It, it, it's amazing for uh, all the, the, the very uh, bright people that uh, continue on to see some of the things that they can maybe smooth over or make it better for each particular student. It's not just a lot of students. Each one of them yeah. has to, you have to focus on. Luckily, it's not a job you have to do by yourself. And yeah. Mr. Campbell you know, re- referenced that. We have a great central office staff. We have a great board. We yeah. have great principals. And so it's really about bringing people together making sure we have a clear goal and vision of what we're trying to accomplish, and then together let's let's make a plan and let's go there. And let's make sure we're working the plan and doing everything we can to support those kids. So I very much look at it as a collaborative effort. Um, the central office staff already, even not being up there yet, has been so gracious and has been so helpful in just the last few days. So yeah. it's a great team. When I opened Salem, I worked out of the central office for six months while we were building the building. Hmm. Um, and so I sat right next to Dr. Gilbert. I got to know a lot of the department heads. And so I know the quality and caliber of people in that building. And so I want to I maximize that the strengths they bring um, yeah. because it's a great team. You still with us, Butcher? He left. He left. Well, he can come back. You think things started getting a little too tough? I, I think he had some work to do. I think Janie had something for him to do. What do you think? <laughs> I, I think that. that's exactly what happened. Um, Trey, w- when um, you decided to go into this particular area and, and uh, make yourself available, did you think back to a lot of the teachers and principals that made a major impact on your life. I know that each one of us has had someone. Mm-hmm. Well, Ronnie and I have talked about it. And uh, um, they're very special people. A lot of them are that really know how to reach you and put, maybe put you in the right direction as far as where you want to go. Yeah. So I think to one teacher specifically. Yeah. Uh, fourth grade, I was at uh, Roy Waldron in Laverne. Mm-hmm. I lived in Rutherford County my whole life, basically. Uh, I was in fourth grade there and had a great teacher. Her name was Miss Murphy. And I don't remember what she taught us. I really don't. Hmm. Uh, but I remember how I felt in her classroom. And hmm. I remember how much I loved going into her classroom. Um, and, you know, as you get older, your memories kind of fade of specifics. But, man, I, I just remember loving being there every day. So, you know, went through there. I remember getting my teaching job. I taught at David Jury. I taught at Stewart's Creek. Got a job as an administrator at Smyrna Elementary School, and I was a brand-new assistant principal. And I would later become principal of that building, but I didn't know the staff. Get on a bus at a conference one time. We had a countywide event. And a teacher, I go and I sit down on the bus, and they say, Mr. Duke, my name is Ms. Hollinsworth. Now, mm-hmm. and she said, um, I teach at Smyrna Elementary, mm-hmm. and you're our new assistant principal. I was like, well, I'm so glad to meet you. I'd just been named. Wow. And she's like, you don't remember me, but I was your fourth grade teacher. Oh, and wow. And I said, Miss Murphy? And she goes, yeah, <laughs> new name now. Yeah, but the full circle moment of going and knowing how special she was to me when I was a kid and then being able to take a principalship where she, at the school where she taught and see her continuing to do that work um, was you know, I think about the years she put in, and I, and I always go back to her and how special she made me feel and know that she was able to do that for so long. Teachers are unbelievably committed to their kids. Yes, they are. Teachers will bend over backwards, and teachers mm. will do what it takes to make sure that the needs of kids are met. And so when I think about jumping into this new role, it's about, again, making sure that we're listening to them. Uh, but she, my first day as an assistant principal in the building, she showed up, and she had a she had a letter I had written her in the fourth grade oh, that wow. she had kept, right, in a scrapbook and pictures. And, and that just shows you what teachers are all about. These are kids that stay with them forever. I think Butch is back with us. <laughs> Butch, welcome back. Well, I did not hang, uh, hang you up. Uh, you hung me up. You just cannot. I did because not. you got to talking about it. Well, my, my telephone, the dial tone came on. So oh, I'm sorry. I figured you were finished with me. Yeah, no, I wasn't. I was wanting you to respond. <laughs> but I had to come back and defend myself. Everything, everything yeah. is going well, I think. I think we're going to have a good year, and we're going to get a, 
everything all settled up, and hopefully we're going to get everybody back in school for long. Yeah. You know, Butch, I've talked to you a number of times over uh, how the city school system is going and everything, and you have always been very, very positive of how it's being run. You, you've got a radio or something on. I'm, I'm uh, echoing I, in here. Well, I, tur- I turned it off. Okay. I didn't want to have to hear you on no. two different devices. <laughs> <laughs> Did, is there anything well, you, you know, wanted Truman, to respond to? Well, Truman, you know, that it's the philosophy that I have is the glass is half full. It's not half empty. Mm-hmm. And you've got to, you've got to keep that. There's enough negative comments and things going on uh, already, and so why why be negative? Why not be positive? Find something good in what's going on and keep on trucking. this good somewhere. Got to be. So anyway, yeah. yeah that's. I, I, but I think Murfreesboro City is a good school system. You went through it, and I went through it, and we survived. <laughs> it survived is really a better explanation. <laughs> Well, Actually, I was recruited into the Murfreesboro <laughs> school system, if you, you remember. remember. I, I remember. Over at Mitchell Nelson. Yes, Gilbert Sharon recruited you. He most certainly did, and not for my academics either. <laughs> I understand that, too. Yes, thank you very much. I wasn't recruited, but I didn't go there because of academics, that's for sure. You lived there. You lived in I the tried. Mitchell Nelson area. That's right. I live right across the street. Isn't it funny that I still remember just about everybody that lived over there? Well, that's good. I saw Bobby Dryden the other day out at Sam's. Had a good conversation with him. I hadn't seen him in a long time. That's neat. Right up the street from us on Grantland. Yeah. Ray Troop calls me every once in a while. You know how we old people are. We can talk about everything that hurts. Well, that's true. There's a whole lot of that, too. Yeah. Well, okay. I'm going to let you all go and let you finish up and... uh, Keep Trey going, and uh, thank you, Trey, for all you've done. Thank you, Ronnie, for what you've done. And Truman, thank you. Thank you, thank Mr. You. Campbell. Yes, sir. Hey, uh, you were talking about your fourth-grade teacher. Um, and, and and look at the, the teachers now. I, I, I get uh, uh, the feeling a lot of times, it, will the, the, the students in the classroom in today's world Will they focus as much on what we did, Ronnie did, uh, on the particular teachers that uh, really made a difference in our lives? Because I remember Miss Murray, Miss Sarah Murray, everybody just absolutely loved her in, in Central High School. And uh, bless her heart, she would send me uh, letters every once in a while on how proud she was of me and how she's followed my career and things like that. You're gonna you're gonna have the the the, the same response with that. Mm-hmm. And I, I don't think a lot of times they realize how special that was for us. Yeah. Because um, I, you know our families, uh, moms and dads and grandparents and everybody. Uh, really did make a difference in our lives but when you reach out beyond your relationship for somebody like that it, it, uh, there's no way you can describe it yeah you know and i think that's what makes teaching so powerful and i would say yeah absolutely it's still having that same impact uh, my son who's a middle schooler at Rockville, still talks about his fourth grade math teacher. Mm-hmm. He talks about him. He asks about him. Uh, his kindergarten teacher will still call and check in, and he's in sixth grade now. Again, yeah. that's just who teachers are, and that's yeah. what they do. And so, you know, you spend 180 days in a classroom with somebody, it really becomes a family really quickly. Yeah. Um, and I've had the privilege of, of watching Miss Martin, for an example, since Ronnie's here, build relationships with students at Salem. And um, I know those are relationships that are going to last for a very long time um, yeah. because it's not just about that this student is here for now. You you do make a connection with that student, and you genuinely care about what is going to happen to them, and you want the best for them. And that's not something that just goes away. And so I think teachers may not always realize it until years later, mm-hmm. uh, but they're definitely sowing the seeds of building better people. You're not seeing as many uh, uh prospective teachers actually going to school now to sure. be a, a, a uh, an educator. Well, it's a tough job. It's a tough job, and I think they know it's a tough job. Um, and so I think 
when you have a booming economy and, and lots of opportunities mm-hmm. for jobs um, in different fields. But, you know, so, yes, I think there has been a decrease in the number of, of students maybe going into the teacher ed programs. Mm-hmm. But, you know, it's definitely a still a, 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 a vocation that we are actively looking for people to come back and say, give it a try, let's do this, it's great rewards, and working really closely with MTSU to support those teachers and getting them in the buildings. What can we do to make a difference in that as far as um, getting the type of teachers that we want in the classroom for the future and make sure we have enough? Yeah, I think working with our, you know, we're very lucky to have MTSU in our backyard. So both the county and the city school system really has a benefit there. But we want to work not just with the, you know, the universities in our backyard. We want to work with them all around and making sure that we're opening our doors so that student teachers and those in their undergrad have the opportunity to get into the school system to see what it's like and get those experiences really early. I know um, MTSU is working not just with school systems as far as placing student teachers, but working with um, some of the programs they have, the teaching as a profession. So a lot of our high schools now have as classes you can take, teaching as a profession, mm-hmm. where they're actually learning this stuff before they ever go to college and seeing what it's like. But I always say as a school system, we got to open our doors to student teachers. we got to open our doors to these students who are in their undergrad programs trying to figure out, is this really what I want to do? And let's get them in there and let's let them have that experience with students and, and see the great things that can happen. And then Let's make sure we support them all the way through the process. Having a teacher in, in your family, mm-hmm. your sweet wife. Um, Both her parents, you know, those yeah, folks too. They Both were. Teachers, so. They were. Um, what would they say is to uh, a, a, uh, uh, a person that's in high school right now and uh, they were hoping to be in the education field, but they have questions? What would she say? Yeah, you know, I can't. Obviously, I can't speak for her. Um, no. What I what I can tell you is, um, I, I, I don't know Truman, but I think that teachers are hardwired genetically because I'm not sure. My wife's got a lot of talents. Yeah. Um, she's smart and she's good at a lot of things. Yeah. But. Nothing has ever fulfilled her the way education fulfills her. And so, you know, <clears throat> being, you know, I'm a banker. That's what I do. And, um, you know, I, I would argue that lots of people that work uh, in lots of jobs aren't paid as much as they should be. I think teachers are in that category. Law enforcement is as well. But I'd argue that about a lot of things. Yeah. Um, with that being said, um, I, I'm I'm really amazed, and again, this happened over you know during the pandemic when I had the opportunity to be an, an aide, if you will, for her while she was doing some preparation. I thought, man, she is smart, and I know she's not the only one. And the way they reach children, and the way they make lessons interesting, and hook kids from an, an attention standpoint to learn, for them to be able to learn, that's a very valuable task or a very valuable skill, and. I think something – I mean, I don't know that I'm good at that. If I could do that. Um, I could probably learn to do it, but I would never be as naturally good at it as, as Cynthia is. And so I think, you know, <clears throat> the way I would answer that question is there are going to be some people that just have such a strong passion for that that, you know, um, I don't say this as a justification um, for, for how they're compensated for the work they do. But they would do it if they weren't being paid or if they were being paid for half of, of what they're being paid. Um, and so, you know, I, I think having teachers recruit teachers makes some sense to me. Having educators, uh, people that are passionate about education, um, as people are going through, um, you know, high school, college, those types of things, um, knowing the difference that you can make in life um, by reaching out and changing other people's lives is a pretty powerful thing. Not everybody gets to do that. You know, when I first went into law enforcement, that's what I always wanted to do. And uh, Jackie and I, we were starving to death most of the time. Yeah. But it was it's something, it, it's like a calling. You know, people have callings. And... and uh, I think that there's still a large number of people, either uh, male or female, that still want to get in the education 
feel as far as and, and a lot of them they already have they know I want to be in in uh, K through three or mm-hmm. four uh, that's where I feel like that I belong and and then it goes all the way up to the to to the top level and uh, uh, in, in some ways I think we all take advantage of um, not. Uh, giving them all the the things that they deserve, sure, and, and that's and and that's also paying attention to them and honoring them yeah. for going into that field and, and taking care of them. Each parent that uh, has a child in all of those particular grades, they need to reach out. To teachers and tell them how proud they are yeah. that they are the ones that actually are teaching their particular child and some like you know you know those those kinds of accolades they go a long long way they really do and and they'll never be paid yeah. what their their yeah, that's particular right. worth is and in law enforcement uh, there are so many of them uh, it, it's um, it's it's hard to reach into your pocket. And, and put out that uh, uh, percentages of the, the funds that you're sure. having to pay out and things like that. But uh, uh, it, it, I, I don't think the um, things that have happened in the schools in a lot of places are very similar to here because people actually care for the teachers yeah. here. That's one of the reasons that uh, Murfreesboro and Rutherford County are at the highest level in the state of Tennessee. But it's that reciprocal relationship, right? Yeah. Teachers, I mean, parents care about their teachers because they see teachers who care about their kids. Yeah. Yeah. And so I think what you said about, you know, yeah, absolutely, parents, I would encourage you, reach out to the teachers. And I think if we learned anything through this pandemic, it's how valuable it is that, that, you know, I'm an educator by background, but... Lord, teaching my own child sometimes. I'm, I'm very glad he has a he has a very capable teacher that can help teach him the math that maybe I can't get across to him as a parent. But yeah. absolutely. But then also, you know, we got to talk to our state legislators and we got to advocate to our governor to make sure we are funding schools appropriately. Yeah. Because, like you said, there are a lot of people who want to go into education, and we don't want them to have to choose between this is what I want to do, this is what I feel called to do, but. I know if I do this, I'm going to make more money. And so we got to make sure we're advocating, and parents have a role in that, to say, you know, let's pay our teachers what they're worth. Let's advocate to our state legislators and our governor to make sure that they are seeing the priority for that as well. Isn't it funny that uh, we don't pay our school systems the rewards for being up on a, a higher level and and uh, we we reach out to the schools that are failing in some of the other districts that that can't really seem uh, to be able to be successful in the school systems where they are. And um, but I guess that's that's life. Yeah, we're through. <laughs> <laughs> They're gonna kick us off the air. Yeah, we're done. Yeah. <laughs> Probably done for good. Yeah, that's not a bad thing. All right, guys, we'll maybe see you in the morning at night. Thanks, Drew. Thank you. From NAC's Adams Place, home of premier senior living on Memorial Boulevard, it's The Truman Show on News Radio WGNS, FM 100.5 and 101.9, AM 1450, and streaming at WGNSRadio.com.